0: There is a balm in Gilead to make the wound.
1: Answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May He send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May He remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May He grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the King. May he answer us when we call. Psalm 20 ESV
2: well hello and welcome back to a Balm and Gilead podcast I'm Grant one of your hosts here and I'm here with my co-host Brian Emerson who last I heard was avoiding the wildfires in the west by um living in St. Louis is that is that the case yeah that's that's pretty much yeah yeah I'd say so excellent excellent work it's the main reason Um, so you know, good grief! We've uh, we've had quite an absence here, and we are not going away. No, At we least are not. We don't plan to. Um, obviously, uh, God is sovereign overall, including this podcast. And um, there's been a few changes, though, there in have our lives since we last recorded.
1: Yeah, since we last recorded, uh, I'd say that one pretty significant change in my life is that uh,
2: I have had a son what that is very significant on a numerous levels yes considering you have had five girls
1: i had five girls in a row uh we when we uh decided to go for another we decided we were going to wait until the delivery to find out uh the gender excellent uh, choice and so i got to announce to my wife it's a
0: boy
1: it was (laughs) it was fantastic i highly recommend that uh this St. Louis has been the first place we've ever lived that's in, that people have encouraged us to uh to wait to find out and so it's been it, yeah. was,
2: it was it was a lot of fun I, I I highly recommend it for sure yeah uh we waited with all four of ours and we were not sorry about any of it. It was uh fun to have a little bit of surprise um, and a good one too yes yeah.
1: so we we named him Barnabas Ransom. Barnabas means. Excellent. Little C.S. Lewis. Little C.S. Action. Lewis. Yeah. Barnabas is a, it means a son of consolation or son of encouragement. In fact, the biblical character Barnabas, his name was Joseph, but he was so encouraging that everyone called him Barnabas. Uh, wow. Yeah. So that was, that was fun. And then uh, Ransom is uh, after the C.S. Lewis character from the Space Trilogy. Uh,
2: That's really awesome.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, I love
2: the space trilogy. I had that one on my shelf. I need to read more of that. Uh, I've been in other books lately, but I'm. Yeah, maybe I, I better. I own the physical copy of those
1: books. Uh, they were mm-hmm. actually my wife's, I think, when she was in high school. But um, I listened through the audiobooks while Kate uh, while, uh, was in the hospital. Um, the first book is pretty good, the second book is fantastic, the third book is long it's long and
2: one of the best ones in the trilogy well it's it's a it's a very
1: good standalone book that happens to have some of the characters from the other two books
2: (laughs) man it's been too long yeah too long
1: no it's it's a fantastic book for what it for what it was Uh, if you're unfamiliar with it at all c.s lewis wrote um, i think just after world war ii i mean so this is Quite a while ago And uh, he wrote The the book This This hideous strength Or that hideous strength Book three Was Specifically a warning Against uh, What we now call Postmodernism It was He ba- he saw it coming He said This is going to destroy everything And he wrote it Before it was a thing And it And he was true It was uh, It was It's a prophetic book About Where we are today
2: Well that's too bad that we didn't heat it as well as me might have then. Absolutely.
1: So something else that has changed since we last recorded was that
2: Adam Ford launched a new website. What? This is up to three now. He's oh. going to beat out David McCookie for a number of podcasts or something like Probably. that. Probably.
1: And so as we all know, Adam Ford got his start with adam 4 d a web cartoon. Yes. And then yes, back in the day, and then he had this funny idea. Hey, I should start a satire website. I'm sure like five people will think that's amazing. Um, and he launched the Babylon B and that quickly, like overnight became, I think more popular than the onion. Um, something like that. <laughs> and it just like went way out of control. Like he never planned on it being as huge as it, as it was. So he, after that, launched the Christian Daily News or something like that, which was the Drudge Report, but the, the Christian version, which morphed into what is now known as Discern. And uh, lately, on the Discern website, he's had this increasingly growing number of articles that he had to label not the B because they were so ridiculous that at first glance you might think it's a babylon b article but it's actual news and he just decided you know what there's so many of these not the b.com so uh not the com well, is fantastic
2: that's exciting i heard somebody said everybody was there uh i don't know if you heard that maybe nobody said that maybe so. well anyway you say is still number one. Still number on one on the Christian Hot Charts. Yes, I have it pulled up right here. One hundred we weeks. have Dolly, and Dolly Parton. You know, she's accepted a septuagenarian, maybe, but you know, she's up there with the Hot Christian Charts. Zach Williams. Yeah. there was Jesus at number two. Yes. So.
1: And so, You Say has been on the number one slot for over one hundred weeks now.
2: Um, we're at 102 actually we're
1: At 102. At number 1 Yeah.
2: At number 1 114 weeks on the chart 102 yeah. at number 1 that's, Right uh,
1: And so that's, so that's not really a change so, so the other things were things that Changed since we last recorded You say it's still number 1 Is not really a change but is Worth noting because it, She hit the 100 week Mark while we were not recording
2: So <laughs> Yeah, we plan to celebrate that with a lot of streamers. Um, You say so? Confetti, yeah. I I mean, uh, oh, man, I was trying to remember a lyric from the song and totally cue that up. Did not happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just keeping fighting voices in my mind. I don't know if I'm enough, actually, but, you know, I do have a piece of follow-up that... uh, for, for Brad Bayenhoff. Yes. Uh, Now Brad is a great guy. Uh, I've gotten to virtually meet him before, and love meeting people from the from the uh, forum here. Uh, What do we What are the What do we call it these days? Slack. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that Slack uh, thing. That Slack thing. And if you want to join us, uh, please do. Uh, Post comments from the show. uh, Interact with uh, fellow listeners and. Come join us on slack.techreformation.com. We have a channel in there called Balm in Gilead. So look for us there. And we're on a lot of the other channels too. Uh, you'll yep. find us hanging out in music and flogging. Uh, one of the other uh, podcasts there. Uh, just a great old time. But Brad, You said one said of, one one of, of the other
1: podcasts. <laughs> it's, the well, only, it's the only okay. other podcast at the moment.
2: Well, well, don't, don't. You know, I still have hope.
1: Yeah, we still have that a, a Calvinist Batman friends will tech refer-
2: <laughs> well, that tech reformation, the namesake of the channel to which we all belong, uh, will one day return. But yeah. uh, you know they've been beset by um, various issues. Um, <laughs> they they totally have no excuse. They
1: have no excuse. Come on, podcast. They don't need to take month, two month long hiatuses. <laughs> They're
2: coming back, man. I believe it. <laughs> anyway, Brad Bayenhoff on the forum uh reached out and let me know, hey, by the way, I know my name looks like Bayanho Bien, uh Bienhoff, but it's actually uh
1: Bayenhoff. Bay- is how I pronounce it. See,
2: I, I have conditioned myself to yeah. pronounce it correctly, and I encourage each of you to do the same. See, it is I think Bienhoff. we should just still
1: I think we should just still start keep calling him Bayenhoff. I mean that's what Jim Briggs would do. What well, would Jim Briggs do?
2: Yeah. Anyway, so um, what have we got on top
1: for today? So uh, I originally I had this listed as an icebreaker, and but then I re- relabeled it. Let's be honest, this is the main topic. Um, so it certainly is. It certainly is. So before the hiatus, before Bear. Uh, by the way, uh, my son, his name is Barnabas, but we call him Bear. So if you hear me call him Bear, that's who I am referring to. Uh, before he was born, we were kind of... In the
2: pre-Bear times. In the
1: pre, pre-Bear times, uh, we were planning, we were kind of gearing up to get into this big topic on identity politics. And it was really one of the things that kind of kept us postponing was we didn't have time to research what we wanted to talk about. Like We kept being like, I know exactly what I would say like in a conversation off the cuff. I don't have any facts to back up anything, any of these ideas, like any, I don't have any sources to point to. Um, and I don't want to just like do that to anyone. So we who needs facts, who needs facts in today's world. But I decided after, after a while, I was like, let's just, let's just take a break, come back with season two, episode one. Uh, and let's better just, than ever. Let's just jump straight into our new, uh, new topics, our new series, and let's just let's just skip this whole identity politics thing. And then a couple people decided to release a couple albums, and that kind of uh, set things off.
2: So this sounds like a really important
1: topic. It then. was a really important topic. So we didn't get to do all of the groundwork explaining identity politics and what we mean about about this we were going to talk about like some theory like some this theoretical place where uh, our current uh, identity politics culture can lead but instead of having to talk talk about theoretics we have two hard examples so we're going to talk about that um like i've done in the past i've manuscripted this out and so i will kind of comment off the cuff a little bit but I'm gonna read most of this and feel free to interject and and give your comments as well but um you know we all know yeah. we all know that mainline Christian music industry is wishy-washy uh but being in the spotlight uh, it's, it still has to pass like the certain tests of approval so like the CCM stuff it still has to sound pretty Christian they still have to like stick to Orthodox topics. Uh, they can kind of smudge it quite a bit, but you can't really say anything that's blatantly unorthodox. In, it has to be popular, Christian. I mean, it has, it has
2: to be, be real. Yeah, yeah, You popular. can talk about fear. And, you can talk about Jesus is my boyfriend. Yeah, you know but, anything that the big mega churches are talking about—that's that's all perfect fodder.
1: But there's a, there's a few topics that are still taboo in the CCM world. Um but independent Christian artists Sin
2: for one Sin I mean Sin is a yeah. big
1: one. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But um uh independent Christian artists have the potential to have significantly more solid theology in their songs because they can talk about sin. They can talk about like genuine struggles and and they can talk about election and they can talk about predestination and Pretty much everything that Shylin talks about In all of his music I was
2: just going to say Shylin is not exactly like some Indie type artist Or at least not my picture of it But he he seems pretty popular
1: Like he seems pretty popular In the reformed crowd But in the CCM crowd I would say he's He's not so much Um and And I don't actually listen to Rap CCM so I don't know Um But Um so being an independent, you can, you can have that more artistic freedom. Like I think of solos, like solos, they can Oh, fantastic. Yeah. They, they can write a bunch of different things. Like they can talk about the entire book of Hebrews and it's fantastic. And they can get into love that. They can get into the nitty gritty of Romans nine and stuff like that. And, They've got their audience, their their, really their local following, and they. It's you and me. It's you and me, but you know TGC has reviewed them a few times, and uh, and I know that they've kind of been able to grow a little bit from that. But they they don't aspire to like the CCM level of radio play and stuff like that, and so they don't have to appeal to man. Um, However, on the other end of the spectrum, those the same independent artists also they do have the freedom to include unorthodox statements because they're again not trying to appeal to the masses so they can say things like god our mother and uh and things like that so uh there's a band talking about c.s lewis there's a band called page cxvi and i've had it explained to me on the one hundred and sixteenth page of some C.S. Lewis book. Something is said that really meant something to these people, and so huh. that's the origin of their name. Um,
2: oh, I believe uh, what you say of me. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, that. <sighs> <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: Yeah. So, so page CXVI. Uh, they're an indie band. They got their fan base from writing like new tunes for old hymns and they have kind of a techno sound. It's, it's pretty cool sounding. It's, it's easy listening, but it's a, um, their unique style. Uh, they kind of gave these older texts a youthful vibrancy. And so they, they actually have almost a hundred thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. So it's not like, like way, like it's, that, that's pretty good. Like it's it's not like outstanding. You can you can easily have multiple millions of followers on Spotify, but a is absolutely nothing to sneeze at. Um, in their latest album, uh, the album is called All. Uh, they release a song called All Things New. It's the it's track two on the album, and they list the the Trinity as Mother Spirit and Christ, and. That's a major issue. Um, Christ, our God, the Father, is not a mother. Now there are biblical texts that use metaphors and analogies that give God uh, motherly abilities, such as we will hide in the shadow of your wings. That's probably the most uh, the most well known. Hiding in the shadow of your wings is an image of baby chicks hiding under the wings of their mother. It's something that happens naturally because God created mother hens to do that. Um, and so we can hide in the shadow of God's wings as he protects us like a mother hen protects her chicks. This does not make God mother, but it does give, it, it does help us to understand um, qualities of God and, um, Even though they are motherly qualities Mm -hmm. Um, And so The idea of God as Mother is It's It's heterodoxical at best It's heretical at worst And it follows a theology Of feminism that is Antithetical to the gospel Um, Immediately after That track, so track three On the album, they do a version Of Great Is Thy Faithfulness where they sing, Great is thy faithfulness, O God Creator. Uh the original line is Oh God my Father. And so mm-hmm. this just kind of further uh, you know gives that that statement. They they could have done that it's song. It's
2: not wrong outright though. It's I mean, not we'll wrong outright, that, right? But it's the he context. Is the creator.
1: Sure. He, he is creator. Okay. But to intentionally place that song right after I make the statement, God is mother. Now I'm going to take this song mm-hmm. that is known for saying, Oh God, my father, and I'm going to change it to say, I am appropriating this song into my theology. Um, in and of itself, in, in a vacuum, Oh God creator. That's fine. Like you can do that. If you really wanted, if you wanted to, if that song really meant something to you and you're trying to uh, further the, the image of God being creator and you're putting a collection of hymns together and that one change Kind of helped make your collection stronger. You have the right to do that. Uh, it's it's not wrong. There, there's nothing unorthodox with saying "Oh, God, Creator." It just happens to be the context of how they did it. Just gave that further. Uh, it was them basically saying, "I'm going to make this bold statement," and then I'm going to back it up by just giving this little bit, this little nod, saying, "I still believe that." Um, it's just it's it's sad because this band. Um, was doing something well. It was bringing people in. It was bringing listeners in. It was helping. One hundred thousand people were listening to older hymns and getting the mm-hmm. the good theology that's in those older hymns. Uh, but then they just they just they took a stand, um, political stand. This is a political thing. Took a political stand. Uh, what that, do you mean political stand? Like uh... to say God is mother. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a religious statement for sure, but right. It happens it sounds to like be, a theology. It's it is a theological statement, but in this context of identity politics, um, it is a feminist statement, in which in and of itself is a pol- is a political statement because feminism. Okay, gotcha. Is yeah. a political issue. Um. This next example is much more obviously a political issue and i'm going to talk about this for a pretty substantial amount of time um i just i kept writing about it and it just kept getting longer and longer and longer uh there's another band they're called the porter's gate they are a collective of other of other christian artists and i've seen a list of people that have worked with them um I've looked through their song list looking for some of the names and I didn't see them reg- uh, readily, so I don't know what some of the artists on this list did. But uh, two in particular are Sandra McCracken and Wendell Kimbrough, who I would I admire greatly. Yeah, um, we like them. We like them. Wendell Kimbrough does a lot of psalms. I've been listening to a lot of him lately, actually. Uh, Sandra McCracken, I I do believe that she has a background in the PC USA, which is uh, a little less orthodox, but I don't know if it's necessarily, that's where she was, or that's where her ex-husband, Derek Webb was in. I, I don't, I don't necessarily follow that too closely, but she's pretty solid typically. Um, and so her putting her stamp of approval on the Porter's gate, uh, In this context, is a is a little disheartening, especially since she was she has a song on their album Justice songs, Um, Mm -hmm. but another name that was on the list was Michael Gunger, who is very very liberal. (laughs) Um, He's one of he left
2: Christianity a while ago. Yeah, he left Christianity
1: a while ago, but is still kind of in it. It's it's bizarre. Um, He's one of the guys at the liturgist, I believe which yeah. is a oh, yeah. bunch of people who have left the church, but are still kind of in it for whatever reason.
2: They, they like, yeah, they're very much uh, seem to be in love with the, sort of the feeling of church. Uh, yeah. So um, it's probably
1: yeah. that that's probably where um, Dustin Kendrew is mentally. It's also probably where Joshua Harris is. Cause he still kind of wants to be in the church, but not being in the church. Um, so anyway, that's mm-hmm. kind of, Michael Gunger on the same list as Wendell Kimbrough was a little weird to see anyway.
2: They build themselves FYI as a community where you can ask hard questions. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's their thing. But,
1: but they also proclaim to be writing music for the church, which would be type one music. So these songs that we are going to talk about are proclaimed by the writers as type one music. Um, which I think is important as well—that it's actually intended to be type one music. So they in twenty twenty have released two albums. One was earlier in the year, and one was just last week. So their first album for in twenty twenty was called Justice Songs, and it contains a track titled "We Will Make No Peace with Oppression," um, which if that sounds like a Black Lives Matter anthem. It is um, in a vacuum. The title has sensible philosophy, just like the title black lives matter yeah, is sensible. Absolutely. Th- is, is a sensible philosophy. And a lot of what they say can be backed with some of the hard statements made in Matthew chapter 10. Um, that's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it's so hard. Uh, it's the one where Jesus says, I don't come to bring peace, but I come to bring a sword. I will set mother against Daughter I will set father against son Um I mean it's It's a it is a tough chapter to get Through um and a lot Of what they say in the song matches With what they say Uh in in Matthew 10 However Um where Matthew 10 is about The promise of religious Unrest persecution and Taking a stand with God above all Others the the song in Particular it's it's a black lives matter Marching song And that's not me just like sharing my opinion. Mm -hmm. There's literally a line in the song that says we will march in the streets, no justice, no peace. Um, So that is a song that is a line in the song that is meant to be sung in the church. So that's a problem. Um, Black lives matter is not a Christian organization. Should not be associated with the church At all And um, Really what Black Lives Matter stands for Like they hate Christians Like they are They they would be happy to see all Christians burned And so we do not need to Propagate any sort of Black Lives Matter um, Philosophy In our in the walls of our church um, Yeah So that's I just had a lot of really bold statements Uh
2: if you're looking for other people, you know, you don't need to go to some, you know, alt-right type website. This is not a a splinter view, I don't think. Um, However, it's becoming increasingly marginalized because well-meaning people uh, take a phrase like Black Lives Matter, which is true. Yeah, it is. But then turn it into... a uh, a, well uh, what they say about themselves is a Marxist organization who's out to um, kind of uh, completely burn everything to the ground and start over Um, and a really good resource on this that was helpful to me to understand it um, because you know quite frankly I don't have the time to go through everything but um, uh, you might want to check out the just thinking podcast. Um, First of all, one of the guys is from Omaha. uh, So that's always exciting to see people from uh, back at my former home. Uh, But their episode 102 was on black lives matter and it's called black lives matter question mark. And I think you'll find it really helpful to understand a little bit more about what they actually believe and understand that, um, you know, we can say black lives matter, we can say these things, but we cannot stand with the organization, um, as you know, our, our confession just won't allow us to. Right. Our. Um, so, I, I do encourage you to check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, there are a few other uh, good resources there that we have um, provided links to as well.
1: Yeah, one of the, one of those links that we're providing. It's uh, so Adam Ford has his own podcast, and it's like a subscribe podcast. Like you have to pay money to listen to it. But on their 19th episode, he, he let that one be free for everyone, uh, because he felt it was so important. And he literally goes to the black lives matter website and reads their about us page. I mean, and he just, and he goes through it line by line, analyzes it and says, this is why we, this, this cannot make peace with Christianity. Um, because it's, it is anti, anti anti-Christian, um, so with that context set, uh, so the Porter's Gate has taken a stand uh, with Black Lives Matter. Uh, and so on the heels of Justice Songs, they, they released a follow-up album called "Lament Songs. And then on the first track, it's titled "Wake Up Jesus." And in a vacuum, the, the song is about the narrative of Jesus asleep in the boat during the storm. However, given the context of the album, uh, the song literally is commanding Jesus to wake up and do his job. It's saying basically saying you know we've got unrest in the streets Jesus wake up. we need you wake up as if he's not the sovereign God um, you know in control of everything already. And, and it's important to note as well that when Jesus the man was asleep on the boat, God, the Father and uh, you know just God, The the triune Godhead Was awake and in control Um, And so it's not like Because Jesus was asleep The disciples were in danger of drowning God was in control the whole time And that's why Jesus said Oh you have little faith So I just wanted to throw that out there as well But to say Jesus wake up And it's in the whole song Like there's an attitude in the song Like I just Mm -hmm. had it playing And my Mm -hmm. wife was like What are you listening to? (laughs) (laughs) Like that is awful, um, and I was just like, I'm, I'm just, I'm listening for research. This is not something I'm enjoying. I mean, I, I challenge you to listen to it and try to, try to justify that song. But uh, the the next song after that, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I I, I did want to to mention as well there is precedent in the Psalms for the, for the faithful people to call God to action like that. There is, Mm -hmm. um, there are Psalms where, where they say, you know, Lord, hear my plea. You know I mean? Uh, there are times where the Psalmist is just in anguish over feeling like God has abandoned him and wanting God to, to do what he, what he has promised, but that's what he's done. Like they are calling God to remember his promise uh and God has already promised that he would do these things, and so the attitude of the psalmist is for God to remember his promise, and it's in faith. it's like uh, it's it's a plea saying God, you know this would be a great time to to fulfill your promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the attitude in this particular song it, it's literally for God, get off your butt and do it and, and do what I want you to do. And it's, uh, and it's just, it's hard to hear. It's hard to listen to because it just, it does not sound
2: just. Well, it sounds like it's not glorifying God. It's, no. uh, it's, it's trying to control God. It's, it's trying, trying to, to it, it, it treats God like we, you know, and, and part of me is not really surprised. I mean, how often in, in evangelicalism have we treated God like he is our, our, our special Our guy in our corner, our you know, we keep him in a box. On Sunday, we kind of bring him out, and we like to, we like to parade him around and like show. Oh yes, this is our God, and then we put him in his box, and we, we put that you know, kind of file that away until next week in the Sunday, and it almost feels like oh, we're we got a problem here. Time to bring out the special box, and you know, it reminds me of uh, of another box. Um, and it uh, reminds me of a very fancy box. And yeah, uh, where uh, in fact, uh, so special that uh, there were only preset were allowed to carry it. Yeah. Um, and uh, including um, the sons Eli, of Eli. Uh, yeah. Who had a uh, and Phineas. Yeah. Who, who attempted to do the same type of thing. Yeah, they trusted the um, box. Yeah. Without understanding that um, it's, the God whose footstool that is, uh, that is the one we should be trusting. Uh, That was never meant to be a talisman or some sort of good luck charm or something that we as human beings can control. And uh, so what you're saying about this, like I haven't seen the lyrics yet to that song, but everything you're saying about it is uh, definitely sounds a lot like um, this type of belief. Yeah. Where we believe that if we just, you know, if we just, you know, apply the right amount of Jesus to a situation, all of a sudden all the problems will go away. And uh, what, what the real tragedy is there is that we believe then that, that we somehow can control God, um, and that is that that is wrong. You know, that yeah. is sin. Um, it is that, that that is not our responsibility.
1: Yeah. Um... I'd say that the the big disappointment uh, with this album, it, even even more so than than that song, uh, is track number two, which is titled "O Sacred Neck Now Wounded." Uh, the tune is to the old hymn "O Sacred Head Now Wounded," but the words have been completely rewritten, and the purpose mm-hmm. of the song is to compare Jesus' death with George Floyd's death. Uh, the opening line is. O oh, sacred neck now wounded, bent by blows and knees, and and that line has zero biblical description of the crucifixion. It is one hundred percent in reference to Floyd. Uh, in the third verse, it mentions being breathless in the street, which is a reference to Floyd saying, "I can't breathe," uh, which has also become a, a popular Black Lives Matter chant. Um, now, Floyd. Was unjustly killed uh, When a cop apprehended him And violently and brutally detained him In an illegal hold Resulting in Floyd's suffocation However, that that's literally Like where the similarities of the deaths end um, Jesus was illegally detained He was brutally manhandled And he was publicly executed um, And You know Um uh, but that's that that's it. like that's that's the similarity. Everything else pretty much associated with this is just overwhelmingly different. And of all of those differences between Jesus and Floyd, I'd say the most glaring difference is the fact that Jesus was the one and only sacrifice to end the systemic and universal issue of sin. Jesus died as a direct result of sin, and he also died to forgive sins, some of which, were the sins, the, the same sins that led to and caused his death So so Jesus was uh, the victim of sin But he was also the victory over sin um, And he had to die in order that sinners like you And like me and like all of you who are listening to us Could find him And, uh, and you know, that's... That's what we base our entire lives on, is that, that truth. George Floyd, at best, uh, was someone caught in the middle of an illegal act, uh, being under the influence of drugs in public. And at worst, he was a thug who was detained before he could do even more illegal acts. Um, I, I'll be honest, I have not followed every single detail of that led up to his arrest, because there's no information on it. Uh, when when it was going on, the only information you could find was the picture of, of Derek Chauvin with his knee on on George Floyd's neck. Like that was all you could find, and uh, and so I know that he had drugs in his system. I'm pretty sure he had stuff in his vehicle that was not cool. Um, his family had said that he was he had made some bad decisions in his life, but he was kind of on the right track possibly. But, you know, I don't, I don't know that anyone will ever really know what was going on with him. And there's also all sorts of crazy, uh, unrelated things going on, even to the fact that, um, that Chauvin and Floyd had been co-workers before. And um, there were reports that they publicly not liked each other. And so it, it could have very well been a very personal act between Chauvin and Floyd So, But there's so much So much information out there um, And it's hard to find The legitimate information But what we can say Is that George Floyd was one of many Criminals to be detained by Excessive force And his death as horrible and as preventable As it was Was truly insignificant to the rest of the world To his, to his immediate world Majorly significant To you and to me we could have gone our whole lives without having heard George Floyd's name and it would not have affected you or I at all and really shouldn't have, um, the people it should have affected were, um, the, the MPD, the, you know, Derek Chauvin should have been fired, should have been arrested. Uh, there should have been some major reform uh, as a result mm-hmm. of it in Minneapolis Other police departments around the country could have learned from it, Uh, and ultimately, you know, things could have happened to to um, to to promote change. But there are people that die every day, Uh, people of color, white people. You know, there are race plays very little impact into this in the long run. It was a horrible tragedy. Uh, There was someone at fault. Uh, who should have been a person uh, With upstanding character All that is, is Beside the point um, you know, He uh, Floyd did die As a direct result of someone else's sin And his death did bring about The awareness of police brutality But to place his death In the same realm As Christ's death Would require a level of systemic And an in at least in part, a universal sin, uh, to be the cause of his death, and and this what I mean by all of that is the fact that the Porter's Gate played these two stories together, that they kind of mesh the crucifixion with the killing of George Floyd, by describing the crucifixion with details of Floyd's death that do not match the biblical description of the crucifixion, that is to publicly proclaim that George Floyd's death was in some way similar enough to Jesus' death to be compared. And uh, since Jesus died to, uh, to end systemic sin, since Jesus died to forgive universal sin, um, the only way that George Floyd's death could be in the same realm is if it carried that same sort of systemic and universal um, You know, th- that same connection uh, But that's exactly what, as Adam Ford calls it The woke monster is calling for The, the woke monster, you know, the, which is the people who uh, are so woke That they're like cancel culture Like this this idea of I know more than you It's, it's almost like the, the neo-gnosticism um, you know, I I am on the right side of history because I am throwing Molotov cocktails at the police. Um, that's the woke monster, um, and what it uh, it operates under that exact belief that George Floyd died as a direct result of the systemic racism that dwells universally inside of every white person. Um. There, there's another video that we're, that we're going to post uh, It's a the, the setup is There's some company that Hired this lady to come in And teach all of Their employees about um, Critical race theory And how to Better uh, relate To uh, the Minorities in the workplace And literally in the video She says all white people are racist they're, just not, they're not born as humans They can't help it, they're born as demons And that is like the most racist thing That anyone can say But because she's black She's not a racist Because black people can't be racist Under this theology of wokeness um, They can say all of the racist things that, that would get a white person You know, thrown in jail But it's okay if they say it Because they're not white but a white person that says it, they're done. Like they're just completely done, um, and it's it's crazy. But in order for George Floyd's death to be in the same category as Jesus' death, it requires the idea of systemic racism that uh, to to be legitimate, and it requires the universal truth of all white people are racist to to allow that analogy to, to play out. And I don't think that this was some mistake. I don't think that they just thought, hey, this is, you know, this this'll be hip, you know, that this'll be relevant. People will, will like this comparison. I think that the people that wrote this song believe this, because they wouldn't have chosen it otherwise. And they wrote this song to be played in church. And That's That's what really gets me um, and, uh, and I wrote here that This uh, This idea That Oh Sacred Neck Now Wounded It only makes sense if the song uh, As a song is systemic racism holds true And that requires All white people to be guilty of racism And that idea Requires a flaw in God's Good design of ethnic diversity so to say from the Christian worldview that all white people are racist, like deep down, like they're just born racist, like that's just part of them, means that God messed up when he made white people. There's, and there's no way around that. Uh, you can say, but we're all sinners. Yes, we're all sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. White people, black people, all of us, we're all sinners. We all have the ability to be racist, yes, but to say that at their core, white people are less than human because they are born racist is, uh, is to say that God messed up when he made white people. Um, something that is worth noting is that Jesus, uh, who has perfect empathy, he can relate uh, with all of the oppressed. Uh, he, he can personally relate with all the oppressed because he was the most oppressed. He can bring true comfort to all who need it. Um, and he grieves with all who grieve. He alone can relate, uh, with the wrongfully killed. And when we think of the surviving Floyd family, we know that Christ alone can use this tragedy to draw them to himself. Um, And I I can't judge Derek Chauvin's heart I don't know his future But if he repents of this sin And if he comes to Christ And if he truly uh, Becomes a believer Then Christ died To forgive him of the sin of the murder Of George Floyd But only Christ alone can do that But given the context of this song, and in light of the song We Will Make No Peace with Oppression, as well as the rest of their album's release this year, O Sacred Neck Not Wounded is nothing more than a syncretistic anthem pushing a temporary political agenda in the name of the eternal savior. And to me, that is one of the worst things I've heard uh, as far as a a Type 1 song. It's just, it is it's just horrid. Um, it's also worth noting that uh, he didn't get a writing credit, but on Spotify, I believe he's one of the singers of the song is, um, is Matt Marr. Um, he's a Catholic, but a lot of his songs are, are pretty solid. We, and a lot of them get sung in a lot of churches. So people that see Matt Marr's name on this song, they'll adopt it just because he, he was part of it. And I, I, I would be very surprised if I heard that this song never got sang in any churches ever because of how horrid it was. It's going to get sung. It's going to be popular in a lot of the churches that are
2: kind of going down that that woke path. You have to keep up to date with the CCLI and uh, find out Yeah. how many times... Um, sometimes that information is available.
1: Yeah, I wish that they kept up their database a little better so do you have any thoughts that was a big long rant uh, no it political. was
2: again I would direct you to some of the resources that we've uh, talked about earlier um, especially just thinking podcasts I mean we, I think at this point everybody kind of has their opinion and yeah. it feels like yeah, it's nothing all- really is can be done but at the same time you know you you just kind of watch this thing grow and move you know the woke monster I really like that concept because uh, one of the things that Adam Ford says is that it can never be satisfied Yeah, and
1: the more you feed it the hungrier it gets
2: right and it's because it's not it's not Christ right it's not based on uh, Christian principles at all and everything that we pursue when in every idol we pursue will always leave us wanting more. Um, it will always be asking for more and whatever that, that particular idol is, it could be and a lot of times is are good things like racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be your children, your, your, your wife and kids or your husband. Um, you, you know, it can be good things, but when we make those our ultimate things, it becomes an idol and it will never be satisfied. Yeah. Um, Only Christ can truly satisfy. And I guess that's what I hope our listeners will kind of take away from, from all of this is that um, right now, everything is in a lot of upheaval, but the one thing that we trust in uh, Jesus Christ that's where our trust needs to be placed
1: yep some trust in chariots some trust in horses but we trust in the name of the Lord our God
2: amen yeah that's it so
1: that was the icebreaker no please. that <laughs> was know, the, ma- the that main was the main to- that was the main topic the main topic is actually going to be very short because we just kind of want to give a an idea about what season two is going to look like. Uh, you know, when we first started this podcast, we had this big, gigantic, uh, you know, list of topics that we were going to do. And if we follow it, we still T, have it. We still have it. We just kind of don't look at it anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, it just, you know, the, the show, it, it, it took on its own life. And that and, uh, and was good. Like we, we primed the pump when we, when we made that the list. And now we're just kind of going, we look at it periodically when, to try to remember what were we going to talk about how can we work it? <laughs> but uh, anytime
2: we're low on material
1: anytime we're low on material no um we don't want her to leave anything out cuz we had a lot of good ideas but um we've mixed some stuff up we've we've put stuff together we we wrote that list and we were planning on making 15 minute long episodes and um that is, that never happened um though this one will be a pretty short one um it'll Probably be like 45 minutes So it'd be like half as long as normal ones But uh, Hey, that's all right. It is So season 2 We are going to Really dive into the Psalms Uh, Season 1 Kind of ended up being Just an an exploration of Like what are the 5 types of music What are the 10 questions that we ask And um, And Yeah, so that's kind of what season 1 ended up being It was really just foundational But one of the things that we kept referring back to in season one was the Psalm model. So if songs Mm -hmm. will just follow the Psalm model, then, um, then that will be a good way to, to start, but we've never really dived into like, what is the Psalm model? And a lot of that is because I didn't really have a fleshed out answer to that question. (gasps) I mean, I've got an idea in my head, but, um, I don't have anything on paper. Like nothing, nothing as cool as my ten questions or my five types of music. Um, and so that's what we're gonna do. We're just going to take a journey through the Psalter. We're going to talk about a lot of different types of things. Um we can talk about individual psalms. We can talk about um like how did you like did you know that the second most quoted book in the New Testament? was the psalms the what's the first isaiah oh yeah that's right but it's only by like i knew that it's only by like two (laughs) references like they're really really neck and neck um and so the the psalms are mentioned quite a few times in the new testament um like there's no one righteous not even
2: one that was a psalm uh psalm 110 yeah, is also a very popular one. Yes, I. My Lord says to uh, you know the Lord says to my Lord, um, wait there while I put your enemies as a footstool. That was a paraphrase. Yeah, yeah it's a good one though. Um, and so how could David had said that to his son if it was his also his lord? Yeah. So Jesus' question to the religious leaders, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know we we can
1: talk about. Um, you know, just the different philosophies that pop up in, in the Psalms, but, uh, something else, another really interesting idea I want to, to dive into is the idea of poetry translation. Uh, my wife, as many of you know, is a professional poet. Uh, she has a, she's very good. She is. She has a master's of fine arts from Boston university, which is one of the five uh, best schools in the nation To get a degree in poetry Two of her professors were Former U.S. Poet Laureates And one of the courses that she took um, Which was just taught by One of the other professors there Was on a poetry translation And uh, it's interesting Because in this particular I think it might have just been on Translation But poetry is part of it But uh, they actually had a guest speaker This is a tangent. They had a guest speaker that talked about how Christianity, the entire religion is based on a poor translation of the of the ancient texts referring specific, really? referring specifically to the King James version and huh. uh, and so she was and it was like a Jewish lady that was that was uh giving this particular talk. She's just like, yeah, no, that's not true at all. Like I think she was talking to some of her classmates after. She's like, yeah, no. That's not true. I don't particularly like that translation. That's just one of very, very many translations. And there are a lot of people today that even speak Greek and Hebrew that read the original manuscripts. So, yeah, that was wrong. That was just completely wrong. But um, there's this idea of poetry translation. It's kind of the going into the um, long and short of it is uh, you can take... A, a poem and then translate it word for word into English, and it's no longer a poem. So you take that, like if the original poems in Spanish and you just translate it into English, it's not a poem anymore. It's a translation. It's just literally the words. Uh, you, you miss all of the metaphors. you miss the idioms, you miss um, you can miss the meanings. You can, you can get it to where the syntax doesn't work. You can lose out all of your poetic devices like like rhyme and meter and uh and so in order to accurately translate a poem you translate it into a new poem Um, and so for instance uh, robert penske who was one of renee's teachers he's a former u.s poet laureate he became laureate i believe this is the timing after he did a translation of um, the divine comedy it was not the first translation of the Divine Comedy nor is it the most famous but he did a translation of the Divine Comedy and uh, I actually have a copy of um, of Inferno uh, that he did and he signed it for me he said, I hope you enjoy the hell out of this I just, I, just, I think that's amazing um, I'm not even going to I get a that.
2: sense of his yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, he he was a he's a really interesting, really interesting guy. But so uh, when you're looking at the Psalms and translating the Psalms, the Psalms are Hebrew poetry. When you translate them into English, uh, you have to translate them into a poem in mm-hmm. order to maintain a lot of that beauty and a lot of the in a lot of the prosody. You know how do the uh, how did the poetic devices help to explain the words beneath them You know, those are important things And, uh, and then how do you take those, those uh, psalms And translate them into Western music It's just a lot of translation It's a translation of a translation And, uh, and you can lose a lot that way And so, uh, yeah, it's a, I want to do a few episodes on that And this is not the one.
2: So let's move on. Um, (laughs) Well, just one quick comment about that. Um, I might need to look this up where I, where I first read it, but um, the Psalms are fairly unique in uh, the, in the biblical Hebrew actually lends itself to translation uh, for poetry. Very, very well, Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that they did, uh, poetry, from my understanding is, uh, is, is something that translates fairly well into any number of languages. And it's just another wonderful example of God's faithfulness yeah. uh, and, and his, his watch care over his word uh, and how it would eventually, you know, end up here in 2020 and, and yeah. beyond, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I hope that we'll get to explore that and, and other uh, different features of uh, psalm poetry here in the coming weeks
1: Yeah, and so, and there's also the, the different ideas of the psalms as poetry, the psalms as lyrics, and mm-hmm. the psalms as the scripture um, mm-hmm. You know, the inerrant word of God And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that um, I also want to talk about difficult psalms Yeah um, mm.
2: I think I know what you're talking about on the shores of Babylon,
1: um, uh-huh. but there's there's some other ones as well. I mean, even even one ten to a degree, you know, talks about you know all the bloodied and defeated you know, enemies that Christ is putting his feet on. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you, you get to do some weird stuff. Uh, I also uh, we're, we want to go into the regulative principle of worship and the idea of exclusive psalmody. I just wanted, I actually would love to get David McCookie on the show to just explain exclusive psalmody from someone who actually believes in it, uh, who ascribes to that uh, philosophy, because he will be able to explain it a lot better than than I could. In fact, the last time I was, uh, he explained it to me, I got real close. I got real close. Mm. Um, So,
2: what you're saying is maybe this will be the time.
1: Maybe this will be the time. Who knows? <laughs> so season three might be about more psalms. Um, also, want to get into this idea of um, who is Asaph, and hmm. uh, okay, and, and some of these other things. And that's probably just the, the best way to put it. There's a there's a really interesting passage. I'll get into it in a future episode uh, where in Chronicles where they the the Chronicles. Uh, explanation of the return of the Ark to Jerusalem after Hophni and Phineas mm-hmm. sent it to the Philistines and died. Just to go back to that, um, it talks excellent tie in. Excellent tie in. It, uh, it there's a really interesting passage. That's that's where Asaph is appointed as one of the musicians, and so I, I want to get into a discussion on that passage also want to talk about some famous Psalm paraphrases. Um, uh, probably the most famous would be a mighty fortresses or God. And, and I want to I get into that, mm-hmm. uh, just getting getting into a lot of the different, uh, paraphrases that have come up over the years and just talk about, you know, was this a good paraphrase? Was this a bad paraphrase? Um, how did this work in that particular context? Does it still hold true today? And things like that. Um, but also we're going to have our song versus song. We need to have that round 2 of uh, of the uh, the the wow music lyrics game. Um, <laughs>
2: yes, we should do definitely do that. We might do that. That'd ne- be great. We might
1: do that. We might might do that next time. That way it'll be the episode 2 of every season will be as just being annoying um, That way everyone knows to skip that one uh, I, I did also want to Just put this out there That if anyone has any questions About the Psalms that they want us to Answer or if they have any topic Ideas that they would love to hear us talk about Not that we're low on ideas
2: mind you we have
1: <laughs> a very large list of ideas but you know if there's something that you guys want to
2: hear we love our listeners we love right? our listeners is what and we're trying to and we love interaction with our listeners which you can do on slack you can also email us at there is at um also
1: if you have any ideas for future um Bomb of Galahad articles that I don't have a lot
2: of ideas (laughs) on, and I could really use. Oh man, we're gonna need to start, yeah, feeding the beast on that one. That'll be fun,
1: yeah. And so, uh, I I still have some things kind of poking around. That's just gonna be an every once in a while thing. Um, the most recent one uh, of those was, uh, I that was actually the the most recent content we uploaded. We we uploaded uh, an, uh, an article after we uploaded our last our last uh, mm-hmm. podcast episode. And that was one that my daughter came up with. She was in church one day and she uh, was wearing a mask and, uh, she put some goldfish in the mask and was trying to eat out of the mask. Like it was a feedback. <laughs> and, uh, and so go, that's, that's all I'm going to tell you. And then if you haven't read it yet, go and go and read the most recent ep- uh, issue, uh, article article of, uh, bomb of Galahad because I I, I had fun with that one.
2: That was a good one. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah.
1: And so that is all of the cool stuff that you guys have to look forward to with season two. Uh, I didn't want to try to put together an entire episode of what we're going to jump into and all of that black lives matter stuff, because uh, there was a lot Um, uh, contemplated like listing this as the last episode of season one and then just going into season two next time. That wouldn't make any sense. We had a big hiatus. I'm not going to do <laughs> another one more episode of season one, but kind of wrapped up what we were talking about with like getting up to without identity politics and where it leads. Uh, when you really buy into what the culture is selling you, you have to sell out your religion. Um, ultimately that's kind of where I was going. The, those are two very harsh, very, very harsh um, Examples But that's what's out there Like That's, that's where we're getting uh, Do you have any final words Before you wrap up on our most possibly Shortest episode ever
2: All I wanted to say was uh, Kind of going back to the Wake up Jesus um, Song mm-hmm. And I, I finally did pull up the lyrics And we'll link to them in the show notes But um, They are forgetting potentially that jesus rebuked the disciples Mm -hmm. for when uh, they they were so worried um they they didn't understand that jesus had them you know he could be asleep in a boat but he 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 made the universe you know he created the universe in the palm of his hand and so you know they had nothing to nothing to fear um, and I, I don't know, it almost, it, it when you kind of understand the complete biblical context there, it does make it seem, well, it takes some of the, the oomph out of the song, I guess, yeah. for me anyway. Uh, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So are you identifying with, like? are you worried that maybe, it, it almost makes it wonder makes you wonder are they actually siding with more like the prophets of baal from first yeah. kings 18 17 18 19 and uh, somewhere in there um where elijah you know was making fun of the prophets of baal because you know maybe their god is sleeping you know and yeah. things like that right you gotta shot louder to wake him up and right but so uh, you know obviously it says there that that you know, the the author of the song is trying to reference Mark 4. Um, but you wonder, yeah. in trying to reference Mark 4, are you actually kind of reflecting back that you're really more reflecting First Kings 18? Right. It'd be kind of like if
1: they were trying to take the stance that Peter sinking was a good thing.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Or any of the times where the disciples were or in doubt or yeah. um, that where they were, um, you know, displaying their humanness, I guess. And uh, their, their fallen humanity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost taking that as like a, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So also uh, just to follow up to uh page CX which we were talking about earlier. Uh, does have an about page and i'm just going to quote from here a uh, singer songwriter engineer and producer latifa Alatas follows up her last album good friday to easter with the lush immersive musical experience of her 13th page cxvi album all which we talked about earlier page cxvi is a long time project of aladas in which she explores ancient wisdom hymns and spiritual songs And, this is key, represents them in new arrangements, okay, new contexts, and modern sensibilities. Oh, okay. So, there's, again, kind of what we were talking about with the liturgists. There's this need for some people to feel like they're doing the church thing, um, but without any of the substance, um the feeling of spirituality rather than the reality. And that and quite frankly is quite worrisome. I mean, almost more worrying than some of the other bands that we've talked about. But uh definitely something to check into. Um especially as you're you're considering listening to the Page CX VI socks. Yeah. Uh, that they are purposely represented with a modern sensibility. In other words, with uh, a modern take on it, it's like, Oh, Jesus is, or God is now feminine, masculine balance. And God is, um, a central theme. In fact, uh, quoting from a little bit further on a central theme of all is God is as the divine compassionate source who loves all people stemming from this central theme comes, uh, songs about love, peace, grace, mercy, Finding refuge in times of trouble and finding wholeness in the feminine slash masculine balance of God. So again, there you see kind of this this modern sensibility playing out. Yeah. So
1: also just a few thoughts. Some more real time follow up. Um oh, Latifa Elotis cool. is part of the Porter's mm-hmm. Gate.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, and has multiple songs on both the um, Justice Songs and Lament Songs albums. So.
2: There are two other albums too I don't know if you saw that I
1: did not, Those are just the two That came out this year
2: Yeah I I Woke uh, Woke songs <laughs> Work 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 songs, songs and, and neighbor na- songs yeah. Yes Yeah So I'm not sure uh, What else they woke have songs. Maybe in the works But Woke songs Woke songs Yes Most likely But uh, Yeah Anyway Yeah
1: Yeah So uh Season two, we're going strong. So, this will actually be, this is actually also uh, episode 20, even though it's really like episode 25, but it's uh, episode 20. Uh, so, most podcasts don't make it past 10. So, we're double that now. So, that's nice. Anyway, with that, what thou, my lord, has suffered was all for sinner's gain mine mine was a transgression but thine the deadly pain
0: there
2: Thank you for listening to the balming gilead podcast we love hearing from you so email us at thereis@balmcast.com. we are a part of the tech reformation family of podcasts and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com we'll see you there if you enjoyed the balming gilead podcast please encourage others to listen we value your feedback so rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast. Uh, I feel loved, even though I can't actually feel a thing. Yeah, we just don't. We'd... I'm strong, even though I think I'm weak.
1: I know you're referencing something.
2: I'm held. When i am falling oh, short there you go there you go yeah.
1: <laughs> i was like it, it's probably you say because you were doing that earlier but
2: you don't say huh? you don't
1: say